Welcome to the Believer's Voice of Victory from Kenneth Copeland Ministries. Download the notes at kcm.org notes. Jesus always comes to the healing school. So uh, let's look at some scriptures. Galatians 3.13 <clears throat> says that we've been redeemed from the curse. Well, everything bad is under the curse. You look up the curse and it's, it's a dude. I mean, you don't want to go there. Uh, all kind of everything, the sickness, diseases, this people being mean to you, all kind of things are under the curse. All, all tragedies under the curse. Everything's under the curse. Bad. We don't want to be there. We want to walk in love. Amen. And we have been redeemed from the curse. So everything in our lives should be in order. And I'm telling you, it can be. Now, Ken and I, we had a curse of poverty on us for a while. It wasn't any fun. We didn't know any better. I married him in all of his notes. I didn't know any better. I'd have probably married him anyway, but I might have talked to him about it. I don't know. But he forgot to tell me. As I recall, nothing about that conversation. So we've been redeemed from the curse. That's everything bad. Debt is bad. How many of you have been in debt? How many of you would like to be out of debt? All right, there you go. It's better out than in, isn't it? Oh, we had little bitty bills that we couldn't pay. I'm telling you, it was sad. And then we began to hear about faith, and that changed everything. We began to, we moved to Tulsa. Ken was at ORU for a, he was a 30-year-old freshman there for one semester or so, maybe two. And uh, I was home with the little children. I was in this little project house. Just, I'm telling you, it was the pits. It was so bad that Kenneth painted the walls. Now that, you, don't, you may not get the import of that, but it's big. For him to paint the walls, it was big. Glory to God. But in that place, you know, the, the very year that we moved there, very time space that we moved there, Brother Hagen started having 10-day seminars every quarter, I believe. I believe it was every quarter. And when we discovered that, because we'd heard him on uh, Ken's mother's recorder, when we discovered that he, had, he was having those 10-day seminars, we didn't miss. I mean, we got under the Word. You could, twice a day for 10 days, you can get some more to change your life. And we began to find out how faith works. How it comes, comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God, uh, comes by hearing and taking the Word of God, believing it, letting it be a, a absolute truth in your life and acting on it. And things began to turn around. We learned how to tithe. We, we, we were putting our words to work. We were saying the right things. It didn't take us long to begin to prosper. And I'm telling you, somebody said, somebody said this, it is better to be abundantly blessed than to be without. That is no deep thought. Everybody knows that. <laughs> Most everybody can remember when you didn't have anything, when you had to, you just hated to open the mail because of the bills. Well, that's where we were when we moved to Tulsa. And uh, we began to hear the Word of God. Ken learned things from Brother Roberts. And we learned things from Brother Hagen. And we began to do it. We got in those 10-day seminars. He had four that year. And uh, we learned some things that we've never gotten over. 
and we don't want to ever get over because it made our life work. Things began to work when we began to feed on the Word of God, let faith come, and we began to obey what we saw in the Word of God. Now that's the way, I mean, we were believing for groceries in those days. And now, you know, whatever God tells us to do, we believe for it, and ultimately it comes to pass. So you, you can do anything with faith, but you can't have faith without the Word. You've got to put it in your eyes and your ears, get it down in your heart, and then you have to agree with it. You have to say that and don't say other things. You have to talk prosperity and don't talk poverty. You have to talk healing and don't talk sickness. Is that a chore? No. Why? In the meantime, you get to be happy. You get to be well. You get to have whatever you need. If you need a house, you believe God for it. Need a car, you believe God for it. You need a good job? Do that first, actually. Believe God for it. <laughs> and things begin to work. It's a good life. It's the good life. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So you can, you know, you can grow old and not grow weary. That's a revelation. You can grow old and not be sick. Well, somebody said, if I keep getting healed, how am I ever going to die? That's not a problem. <laughs> Here's how you die if you keep getting healed. You can leave your body. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. You can just leave it here. Somebody will take it. They'll clean it up. They'll put makeup on you. They'll put a new dress on you. Why they didn't buy you a new dress while you were here, I don't know. But while you're gone, they'll buy you a new dress, fix you up, put some rouge on your face. And then everybody will come by and look at you. I think that's just disgusting, but everybody will come by and, you know, we've got the casket open here and you're on a satin bed, and quilted, and they've spent more money for this casket than you had. And... And they'll look at you and they'll look and see how they did your makeup and how they did your hair. And Man, you look better than you looked while you were here. But you're not here, you're gone. Glory to God. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So we're not ever out there in la-la land. We go from this life to the presence of God. If Jesus is our Lord, if you're here today and you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, you better do it quick. Just receive him. You can do it right there where you sit. Just say, Jesus, I receive you as the Lord of my life. I take you. I said to him, I didn't know really anything at the time much, but I said, take my life. I saw where he fed the birds and that impressed me. I thought, well, if God feeds birds, he, he'll feed me. He cares about me. And uh, I, I, just, I just took him and I, I received him. You know, you know, it doesn't take much faith to get saved. Really, all you have to do is just get an unction to do it because you've heard something about God or you've heard something about the Word or the life after death or hell or heaven and you want to make him the Lord, you just do it. And he takes you. Isn't that great? He does not turn anybody down. I mean, I have been in prison with people that have killed multiple people, murderers, women's prison. You know, I have, at that time there were five girls on death row 
and uh, I went down to visit with them. They were nice and sweet and kind. And I thought, well, this one woman was an older woman. She's probably 60 or more. And I thought, well, she, she was very nice too. And I thought, well, her husband probably came home drunk one night and she just went over the edge. And he was trying to be mean to her and she killed him. But come to find out, she had had five husbands. She cut them up and buried them under a tree. Now that's a whole different deal there than being mad at a drunk husband. But now what happens? She's born again. She's not that old woman anymore. She, if she had a husband, she wouldn't cut him up. <laughs> Glory to God. Hallelujah. That's a true story. I don't know what, I haven't kept up with the girls in some, a few years, but anyway, they were really, all of them were very kind, sweet. We had a good time together. But I remember thinking about her. She probably just had more than she could take one night and just did him in. And now she's born again. She's sweet. She's wonderful. Isn't the new birth great? I may be talking to a murderer here today. You kill people, but you wish you hadn't. And now you think there's no way out. Well, just ask God to forgive you for it and, he'll, and make Jesus the Lord of your life and he'll, he'll take care of it. And you can go free. Glory to God. Isn't that mercy? Glory to God. Hallelujah. Okay. Galatians 3.13 says that we've been redeemed from the curse, and that covers a lot of territory. That covers every sickness, every disease. That covers poverty. That covers everything that you read under the curse in Deuteronomy. You can be delivered under the blessing. Isn't that great? We're blessed. Old things pass away. All things become new. If you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, you do not want to live in the old things. You make him Lord today and let him redeem you from the curse. Curse is bad. Under the curse, you ought to study the curse sometime, but not for very long. Everything bad you can think of is under that curse. When I made Jesus the Lord of my life, I came out from under that curse. The worst thing at the time, I wasn't on drugs or anything like that, but the worst thing at the time was poverty. If you don't know poverty's a curse, you haven't been here very long. The poverty devil's power was broken. Why? Because now I'm out from under the curse and I'm in the blessing. Everything good. If you're here today and you've never made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, just think, you can go from the very worst, the curse, into the very best, the blessing, with one decision to receive Jesus as Lord and Savior. Now, why is that? Because Jesus himself took the curse for you. He took the curse for me. That's how come we can be delivered. If he hadn't done that, we couldn't be born again. But he paid the price and he delivered us and we're free from it. Glory to God. And any person, no matter how or what you've done, qualifies to make Jesus the Lord of their lives. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. So we've been redeemed from the curse. I want to read a footnote to you about long life. Because I like to read this myself every once in a while. I'm in my 70s. 
You know, I'm, I'll, I'm believing for long life, have been for a long time. But uh, this, Kenneth's older than I am. Uh, <laughs> but not much, not much, not much. Oh, I want to read that footnote. That's where I was going. Psalm 90 in the Amplified has this footnote about long life. It's very little writing though. If uh, it, it says there, the, you, the days of our years, let me go in this Amplified in verse nine, I'll just read it to you. If for all our days out here in this wilderness, this is while they were still in the wilderness, Moses says, says Moses, pass away in your wrath. See, they've been in the wilderness. I mean, they're getting fed, but that's it. Nothing else. And we spend one, we spend our years as a tale that is told. For we adults know we are doomed to die soon without reaching Canaan. The days of our years are threescore and 10, 20, uh, 70 years. The days of our years are 70 years. Or even if by reason of strength, fourscore or 80 years. So people take that to be a lifetime. That's not a lifetime. That's for people out in the wilderness under the curse. That that was said. And it says so in the Amplified, it says this. This number has often been mistaken as a, this is a footnote, as a set span of life for all mankind, 70 or 80. It was not intended to render uh, no, it's not intended to refer to anyone except those Israelites under the curse during that particular 40 years. This is interesting. 70 years has never been the average lifespan of humanity. When Jacob, the father of the 12 tribes, had reached 130 years in Genesis 47:9, he complained that he had not attained to the years of his immediate ancestors. 130 years, and he's grappling about it. Uh, and so it says, in fact, Moses himself lived to be 120, Aaron 123, Miriam a few years younger, older, Joshua lived to be 109. Notice well that in the millennium, a person dying at 100 will still be thought of as a child. That's in Isaiah 50, uh, 65, 20. So 70 or 80 that the world talks about, that's never been the average lifespan of humanity. And for us, we live, glory to God. We could live to 120 if we want to. We may not want to, <clears throat> but we could if we do the word. We believe for long life, strong life, glory to God. Ephesians 6, uh, 10, I'm gonna read that to you. This is what we do in the long life. You know, you can't be a wimp and live a long time on faith. You can't be a faith wimp and live a long time. Or ne neither would you want to live a long time if you don't walk by faith. Because if you don't walk by faith, you're going to have trouble, glory to God, and all sorts of things coming at you. Now, uh, let's see, where was I going to? Ephesians 6, 10 through 18. Hallelujah. Aren't we thankful for the word? All right, 610 says, in conclusion, he's been telling them, children obey your parents, honor, honor and esteem your parents, that all may be well with you, that you may live long on the earth. So we know it's the Lord's will for us to live long on the earth. 
Fathers, don't irritate or provoke your children to anger. Rear them tenderly in the training and discipline and counsel and admonition of the Lord. <clears throat> and then don't, uh, in, uh, not just don't do things in the way of eye service when people are watching, but do what's right. Doing the will of God heartily and with your whole soul, rendering service readily with goodwill. In other words, be a blessing knowing that for whatever good anyone does, he will receive his, uh, his reward from the Lord. Verse 10 says, in conclusion, be strong in the Lord. Be empowered, this is how we're to live. Be empowered through your union with him. Draw your strength from him, that strength which his boundless might provides. You know, the Bible doesn't tell us just to live, it tells us how to live. Put on God's whole armor the armor of a heavy armed soldier, which God supplies. God gives us that armor of protection, we, but we have to put it on. We have to walk in love. We have to do what he says. That you may be able to successfully stand up against the strategies and the deceits of the devil. For we're not wrestling with flesh and blood, but against despotisms, against powers, against the devil, against, in other words, the master spirits who are the world rulers of this present darkness, against the spirit forces in, of wickedness. So we know that's our enemy. That's where our enemy is. That's where our trouble is. Therefore, put on God's complete armor that you may be able to resist and stand your ground on the evil day and having done all to stand, stand. So we know that when trouble comes, we're supposed to be armed up. We're supposed to be girded up. We're supposed to be ready. Now, how do you stay ready for trouble? You stay in faith. You keep the word in your eyes, in your ears every day. You say what God says. You believe what he says. If it goes against what he says, you don't do it and you don't say it. Amen. So we arm up. We stay with God's complete armor. We resist the devil. Who is he? That's our enemy. Satan does what? He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. You know, those three things cover just about everything that could hurt you. I can't think of anything right now outside those three things. Kill, steal, and destroy. He comes to do that. But we have armor. Amen. And we have the name of Jesus. And we have to resist him. Now, there's a lot of Christians that love God. And they, you know, they, they go to church on Sunday, but they're not armed up. We have armor. We have the name. It says, put it on. It, it's, it, nothing's happening unless you put it on. If you want to win over the devil and his works and everything else of the curse that could come on you, you got to arm up with the Word of God. I mean, we, Ken and I, we were so poor we couldn't pay attention, as the, somebody said. Uh, but we, we didn't like that. We began to hear about prosperity and being redeemed from the curse, and we jumped on it. Glory to God, and we're still on it. And we still believe that. We put on our armor where poverty's concerned. We put on our armor where sickness and disease is concerned. We hope you enjoyed this teaching from Kenneth Copeland Ministries. Download the notes at kcm.org notes.